Good morning, church. How is everybody today? Well, today we are continuing our series on the 12, and I have the pleasure of bringing this message about the Apostle John. Now, um, the Apostle John, who is this man, and why is he called an apostle? And what does that word even mean? It's not really a word that we use today in... Um, our modern English here. So these are all questions that I'm going to answer in our sermon. But first, I have a little bit of a, st- a personal story about the Gospel of John. So when I was in high school, um, I grew up in, in Kelowna, BC. And so I was volunteering at a Bible camp called Eagle Bay Camp. And um, even though years before I'd already um, become a Christian, I'd given my life to Christ. But that one summer, I was having a bit of uh, apprehension, or I was a bit anxious about my salvation. And so I spoke to one of the leaders, and his name is Dan. And he said, Ian, I, I think you should read the Gospel of John, and it might give you some comfort in that. And after you read it and study that for a little while, we'll get back together and we can discuss what you learned from that. I said, okay, yeah, Dan, that sounds great. And so I took that week, and uh, I did just that, or so I thought I did. And later on that week, Dan and I met together, and I discussed with him what I had learned from from reading. <clears throat> and the whole time, he had this very puzzled look on his face. And as after I finished sharing what I was saying, he said, Ian, that wasn't the Gospel of John. That was First John you read. <laughs> and so the reason why I'm telling you this story is it's okay to not know the whole Bible. We all start somewhere in our faith. And uh, I'd been a Christian for a few years by then, but I obviously was confused. <laughs> so back to our friend, the Apostle John. What does that word apostle mean? And it comes from the Greek word apostolos, which, meaning, which means to be sent. Now, originally it was often used in the context of sending a fleet of ships or an army. But in the Gospels, apostolos, or apostle in English, refers to the 12 disciples and them being sent out into the world to preach the Gospel. Now, we hear Jesus appointing his apostles in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Now, in addition to that verse in Mark, we also see it in Luke 13. Sorry, Luke chapter 6, verse 13. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So, The word apostle means to be sent. John the apostle is one who is sent by Christ. So that covers title. It covers his title, but what about his name? Uh, So the name John, it actually originates from the Hebrew, and the Hebrew word is Yohanan. And it sounds a little bit weird to us. Um, And the meaning behind that is actually God is gracious. Now, another version of Johannin, or the Anglicized John, the Gaelic version of that is actually Ian, 
I know, pretty cool, right? I get to preach on me. Well, not actually me, but... <laughs> so yeah, Ian is the Gaelic version of the Hebrew Yohanan. And so my name and John also means God is gracious. And I would agree, God is very gracious to us. So now that we know that... Um, John has the apostle, the title of apostle, or to be sent in front of his name. And we know that John means God is gracious. Who is this John? Um, He's one of Zebedee's sons, along with his brother James. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 4, we see when Jesus first meets John and James. This is Matthew 4, 21 and 22. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. Oh, not mending their nets, that's mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, here's a bit of a fun fact about John and James. Jesus actually gives them a little bit of a nickname. He calls them the sons of thunder. He calls them the sons of thunder. And in in Mark 3.16, we see where Jesus calls them that, the sons of thunder. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Blinergis, that is, sons of thunder. We're not ever given an exact reason why Christ calls them the sons of thunder. Perhaps it has to do with their tempers or with um, their ambitions that they have. Or who knows, they might have just been first century storm chasers for all we know. But what James and John ask Jesus in Luke 9.54 really rings true to the name sons of thunder. So this is Luke nine fifty four through 56. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Them uh, asking him that sure sounds pretty thundery to me. Um, in the three synoptic gospels, so that being... Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is actually one of the first disciples um, called to follow Jesus, and that's along with his brother James. And just before that, it was Simon Peter and his brother Andrew who were called to follow Jesus. In the Gospel of John, though, even though it's, it's called that, the Gospel of John, we don't see him mentioned by name. So we hear of John the Baptist, but we don't hear of John the Apostle, the brother of John being mentioned, the only time that he's kind of referred to, or we're sure that it's him, is that the sons of Zebedee are mentioned. And so here in John 21-2, we see them mentioned. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. So we're not sure exactly why John isn't mentioned directly in in the gospel there. Um, we know that he's there because 
we see mentioned the sons of Zebedee being James and John himself. Um, so we don't see John, but we do see um, a character or a disciple who is we often believe is John is, and this is um, the one whom Jesus loved. And often when we are reading this, scholars agree that this one whom Jesus loved or the beloved disciple is actually John. Um, so he's mentioned actually five times under this pseudonym. So the beloved disciple comes up in John 13, 23, 19, 26, 22, 21, 7, and 21, 20. It's a little bit odd for us to see um, him calling himself this as the beloved disciple and not seeing the name John come up at all in this. Um, now, perhaps the most familiar instance in which we see the beloved disciple, or that being John, is when Mary Magdalene discovers that the tomb is empty. Now, this verse is a bit long. I didn't put it up on the slides today, but I'll read this for you. This is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. This is probably the most well-known time that the beloved disciple is mentioned in the book of John. Um, now there's a little bit of controversy in in this. We don't actually know for certain whether this beloved disciple is the apostle John or not and we're not even positive if it was John himself who wrote the gospel of John um, one well-known theologian and church father Irenaeus of Lyon he says this in his work and actually I think we have a photo of him here <clears throat> afterwards John the disciple of the Lord who also had leaned upon his breast, did himself publish a gospel during his residence at Ephesus in Asia. Um, so Arrhenius, he um, he's actually in southern Gaul, or modern-day France, when he is writing this. And this is probably about 280 when, when he's writing this, um, claiming that it is John who wrote that gospel. <clears throat> now, of the early church fathers, Arrhenius is not the only one 
who credits John with the authorship of the gospel. Um, Eusebius of Caesarea, and he's often called the father of church history. He's quoting Clement of Alexandria and saying, But John, the last of all, seeing that what was corporeal was set forth in the Gospels, on the entreaty of his intimate friends and inspired by the Spirit, composed a spiritual gospel. That's a lot of big words. Holy smokes. What I got from that is what he's saying. John wrote the gospel. And so that was Eusebius here. He was quoting Clement of Alexandria. Um, Now, in addition to the gospel of John, he also wrote a number of other books, including 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. Now, that's about 5%, 5 5% of the whole Bible. And actually, John wrote more of the New Testament than any of the other writers, other than Paul and Luke. Now, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these, these three epistles or letters, they are, were most likely written while he was in Ephesus. And the book of Revelation was probably written while John was actually exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Um, so now that we're kind of on this topic of John's life, now according to church history, this isn't in scripture, this is after the Bible, um, church history records that John is actually the only disciple to die um, of natural causes. And this is somewhere around in his early to mid-90s, probably 93 to 95 years old when he passed away. Seems like a a good age for the first century for someone to live to. Um, So this John the Apostle, he sounds like a fairly intelligent man, um, being that he was the author of, of all these books in Scripture. What then can we today in the 21st century learn from John who lived in, first, in the 1st century? Um, well, first we know that he's an apostle of Christ, meaning he was sent by Christ to the world, and he was sent out to do the Lord's work. Um, what does that mean for us today, though? How can we take what John has done in Scripture and apply it in our own lives? So the title of today's sermon I I wrote is called In His Footsteps. And when I was writing this, I wanted to have two meanings behind it. First and foremost, I wanted us to be able to follow in Christ's footsteps. Um, Not that we're meant to die on a cross like him or anything like that, but that we're to follow his example of how he interacted with people and how he lived. Um, In addition to that, I wanted us to be able to follow in the footsteps of John. Um, he, he is in John. He lived his life for the gospel. After Jesus died and was resurrected, uh, Christ sent out the eleven as apostolos or apostles. And so what does that mean for us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and of John? So here I'll read from Matthew 28. This is the Great Commission here, and this is when Jesus is sending them out. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So these few verses here describe not only the task that Jesus had for his apostles, um, but it also describes his task for us. Um, So that doesn't mean that we all have to be missionaries to far-off countries now, does it? Not necessarily. Um, Following the Great Commission, of course, can be going off to faraway countries and preaching the gospel. But it, it can also start right here in our own homes and backyards. How do we follow these footsteps um, set by Jesus and John here in central Alberta rather than in first century Israel? Um, the first answer I have to that question, how do we follow their footsteps, it, it almost feels like a bit of a cop-out. And I'm sorry for that, but the answer is just do what Scripture says. And I know that sounds like a really simple answer to this big question, um, but we can't think of ourselves as authentic followers of Christ if we don't even follow his word. Um, so what exactly do I mean by following Christ's word? Um, it's nigh on impossible for us to follow the 600 plus laws that were written down in the book of Leviticus and other books in the Old Testament. The Pharisees, they followed these laws to a T and more, and they prided themselves on that. Um, but Jesus chastised the Pharisees for for doing that. We read here, this is in, in Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So, how do we then follow um, the word of God? These Pharisees, they thought they were doing so, and then Jesus, the Son of God, he tells them, you're doing this all wrong, even though they thought that they were following this word. Um, what I mean by following Christ's word, though, is is really just that. If we look one chapter before this, actually in Matthew 22, and this is verses 35 through 40. Uh, actually, we'll start at verse 36. Um, and one of them, being one of them being a Pharisee, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, I don't want to... um, oversimplify what Jesus is saying here. But essentially, what we're to do is to love God and to love others. Um, Let's take a quick look at the Ten Commandments here, and I'll kind of explain that a little bit. So these first four of the Ten Commandments, they're all about loving God. 
shall have no other gods. That seems obvious. If we want to love God, we can't have any other gods. You shall not make for yourself an image, so not make um, an idol or something to bow down to and worship. That kind of goes together with the no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We don't want to take his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So these four, they are all uh, about loving God. You can go to the next slide there, Kevin. And and the following six, they are about loving your neighbor or loving those around you. Um, if we do any of these things, that's not really loving your neighbor. If if Chris went over and he he murdered Ryan, I wouldn't say that Chris is loving Ryan when he's doing that. So I would recommend you don't do any of those. <clears throat> and you guys all know this, but this is just a me... Uh, trying to convey what what Christ is saying in Matthew 22, loving God and loving others. Um, so the second point that I have of how do we follow the footsteps of Jesus and of John, uh, it follows closely with that first one. Do what Scripture says in community. Being a Christian is hard. Being a Christian on your own. It's even more difficult. Most, if not all of you, have probably heard this verse many times before. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. That's in Matthew 18. Um, our old friend, John the Apostle, or John the Sent, we could call him today, he's also telling us, in, in one of his letters, that we ought to be together in fellowship or in community. So this is First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Um, the third point that I have for how do we follow the footstep, footsteps of Jesus and of John kind of goes with those two as well. Um, it might sound like I'm starting to sound like a, a broken record here. Um, because first I said, follow what Scripture says. Second, I said, follow what Scripture says in community. Uh, any thoughts on what I'm going to say next? Follow what Scripture says outside of the church. And by that, I don't just mean outside the walls of this building. Uh, I mean when you're with your non-Christian friends or coworkers. Now, John was an apostle of Christ, he was sent out into the world to share Jesus with them. We are also sent out into the world to people who don't know Christ to share him with them. Um, here in the Gospel of Mark, uh, this is another version of the Great Commission. I read the Great Commission from Matthew before, and this one is from Mark. And I just have it here in front of me today. <clears throat> so this is... Um, 
the Great Commission. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into the all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now that's in in Mark chapter 16, that version of the Great Commission. Um, So Jesus was saying that to his apostles, his apostolos, or his ones who are sent. <clears throat> now, the the 12 apostles, or it was 11 at that time, this is after Judas had betrayed Jesus. Um, they're not the only apostles. We are also sent out into the world to share Jesus with those who don't know him. So, how do we do that? What do we do today, tomorrow, and the next day to follow Jesus and his commands. Follow his word. Love God and love others. Thank you.